All right. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, whatever time it may be where you are. Thank you for tuning in to Rev, Kev, and The Root. Uh, When we left off on our last podcast episode, uh, we mentioned how that Rahab, who was known to be a harlot, was in the lineage or family line of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, uh, Yeshua Hamashiach. Amen. And uh, so, you know, we find that Jesus uh, often associated with those that were considered the off-scouring or um, not so much accepted in society uh and you know we often in america especially uh associate jesus as being one who is closely tied to uh that which would be considered prestigious uh and those that would be considered those who are elevated in society but uh, Jesus, one time he in the Gospels, he said, you know, that, uh, you know, he goes after the, the one. He leaves the ninety nine and goes after the one. In fact, around that same passage of scripture, they accused Jesus of being a glutton and a wine bibber because he associated with sinners. And so uh, for whatever reason, uh, much of our Christendom today, especially in America, has made people feel that if they were involved in certain activities in their lives that uh, that they are not considered uh, to be uh, worthy to be in the uh, church of Jesus Christ that is in error. But however, uh, there's a lot going on in the world today, and I want to begin with a word of prayer. Of course, we know about the protests that are going on around our country in Minnesota and in Kentucky and in Ohio. Uh, And my heart is grieved and saddened, uh, and I'll get into those things more I don't know if it will be this podcast, but I am uh, disappointed in leadership in this country. I am disappointed heavily in leadership in this country. Uh, But I also understand that to be a leader, you must be willing to be led. To be a leader, you must be willing to be led whether it be uh, government on a local level, whether it be uh, the White House or whatever house. Um, And, you know, being led is not being led by someone else, but being led by God himself. And as long as we're trying to be in the lead and take the reins and don't allow God to lead us, then we will we will find the kinds of things that is happening throughout our country. And those things are happening because of root issues, underlying issues that are there. 
And just because you put a uniform on a person doesn't mean that you change their heart. Uh, and just because you put someone in a certain office or vote them into a certain office doesn't mean that you change their heart. And so it should be no surprise that when those people are in those offices, offices and their actions, behavior, beliefs and, you know, their their uh, way of thinking is not conducive with right thinking or righteousness, um, because really the only measure that we really have, the only standard that we really truly have is God and his son, Jesus Christ. Uh, God is three persons, the father, the son and the Holy Spirit. So we need all three of them, you know, um, and that's really the only standard that we have is that which God shows us of how we should live, how we should be, how we should act, how we should treat one another. Um, and if we fall short of that, then we have fallen short. If we don't have God in our lives, then what's, what, what, what is the standard that we live by? What is the rule that we live by? Um, you know, and so we just want to pray and ask God to, to minister and to touch those cities, our city, our lives, because we need him in our world. We need him in, in government. We need him in our families. We need him in our individual lives. So let's pray. Father, we just thank you right now in the name of Jesus. We thank you for your son. We thank you for Yeshua. Lord, we thank you for the cross. We thank you for the path that led him to the cross. And Lord, we thank you for moving in our world today, Lord. And we know, Lord, that man has sought to make his own government. Man has sought to be autonomous. Lord, he sought to do his own thing or her own thing. Mankind in general, male and female, have sought to do their own thing <clears throat> instead of doing what your thing is. And Lord, we know that you alone hold what it takes to cause the scales to be balanced in truth, in justice, and also in righteousness. Lord, we know that if the foundation of our lives, if the foundation of our beliefs, if the foundation of our country is not built on you and on your principles, then Lord, we will fall short and we have fallen short. And so, Father, I ask that you would move throughout this land. I ask that you would have your way, Lord. I ask that you would shake this nation, that you would shake this world, Father, because we know that, Lord, you say that you would shake everything that can be shaken. And so, Lord, whatever it is that we're holding on to that is not of you, we ask that you would shake it. We ask, Lord, that you would remove all of the foundations that are not built on righteousness and are not built on your word. We ask that you'd remove them. And Lord, we ask that you'd have your way in our world. Lord, for those that have lost loved ones through this pandemic, Lord, I pray that you touch them, that you minister to their hearts and that you minister to their families, Lord God. Everyone who's lost somebody who or who is suffering from coronavirus, uh, Lord, I pray that you would touch them. Lord, I pray that you would that you would touch the family of George Floyd. Lord, I pray that you'd minister to them, that you would comfort their hearts. Lord, we know it was a great injustice that was done. And Father, Lord, you said that you, Lord, you would you would take care and that you would punish those who shed innocent blood. And Father, we ask 
that your will will be done. And Lord, I just pray for every mother that has lost uh, a son, a daughter, or whatever the case may be. Lord, we pray, Father, that, Lord, that righteousness would prevail, that judgment would prevail. And so, Father, we ask that you, Lord, would come down from heaven, that you would rend the heavens and come down, Lord, and that you would come down even as you did at the Tower of Babel to see what man had done, even as you came down during the time of Sodom and Gomorrah to see what man had done. Lord, even as you came down and during the time of the children of Israel, Lord, in Egypt, we ask that you would come down, Lord, and that you would deal with it because this is a situation and a problem that cannot be dealt with by natural means, Lord, but we need you. This world needs you to come down and to have your way in this society, Lord. And Father, we ask that you would do it in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, I want to just back up just a little bit because I think I may have missed something uh, when we were talking about how God moves generationally and he moves intentionally. God didn't have to try to hurry up and find some kind of plan to restore mankind to himself because the Bible says that Jesus, the Lamb of God, was slain from the foundation of the world. And there is something in theology concerning God and his character and his person uh, that God is omniscient, which means that God knows everything. His view is panoramic. His view is worldwide. The matter of fact, the Bible says that the Lord, his throne, he sits upon the circle of the earth. And so God sees everything that is happening in real time at the same time. And, and, and I mean, that's that's awesome that God knows every single thing that's going on on the face of the earth. As a matter of fact, one time Jesus said, uh, don't be like the 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 uh, Gentiles that pray and ask God for all this worldly stuff. He said, you know, the, your father knows that you have need of those things, he said. But, you know, uh, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then all these things shall be added unto you. But he said this, he said that the Lord knows what you need before you ask him. And also he knows every hair that is on your head. And so you think about that for a minute, you know, that uh, the things that we're concerned about and the things that we we feel like that we just have to do something about. Uh, God sees what's going on and he knows what's going on. Even this situation with, with George Floyd and different other ones, God sees what's going on and God knows what's going on and God will do something about what is going on, what has happened and all of that kind of thing. Let me tell you, you never do anything in this world and get by with it. Never. Because the Bible says a man shall reap what he sows, mean mankind, man and women will reap what they sow. You've heard me say before that every action has a consequence that's already built into it. Now we have to decide, do I want to deal with that consequence? If I don't want to deal with that consequence, then my friend, I should not commit that act because it's automatic. It's already built in. And so, um, 
uh, I just wanted to go back a little bit. We talked about Abraham. We talked about how God called him out of Ur of the Chaldees and how that God uh, promised him a son and God gave him that son through Sarah, even though Sarah had a moment of, of, of uh, uh, disbelief or a moment of doubt. And Sarah told Abraham, take my servant girl from Egypt. Her name was Hagar. She was from Egypt and she was Sarah's servant girl and go have a child with her. And so that's what Abraham did. Uh, but that was not God's way. And I said, uh, on one of the, well, the last podcast, I was saying that when we do things our own way, then we'll get an Ishmael. I believe I said Isaac, but that's what I meant. We will get an Ishmael when we do things our own way that we know what the will of God is when he reveals it to us. Other than him revealing it to us, we really don't know what the will of God is. That's why he's given us his word so that we can know his will. But God also speaks to us in dreams and visions and audibly or whatever else to let us know what his specific will is for our lives. You know, there's the revealed will of God in his word. And then there is the specific will of God that he reveals to us for our lives, which fits into that specific will of God, you see. And so uh, Abraham did this. And so God said, no, that's not the way it's going to be done. He told Abraham, he told Sarah, according to the time of life, I will be back. And you heard me say before that God works according to timing. You know, a lot of times God promises us something and prophecy and all that kind of thing. And you've heard me say also when God sends forth a prophecy, then we have to catch up with the prophecy. The prophecy, in other words, the prophecy may not be for today. It may not be for tomorrow. It may not, may not be for next year. But then God sends forth his word, first of all, and then he prepares us to go into that word. You know, uh, God called Abraham, but Abraham did not just arrive at everything that God had promised him overnight. There were some things that God had to work out in his life. And when God called Abraham uh, to go out of Ur of the Chaldees, uh, there was a period of time that he began to move from place to place until he wound up where God was bringing him. But in the process, you know, uh, of the, all those things being fulfilled, God changed his name from Abram to Abraham. Why did God change his name from Abram to Abraham? Well, be, if you look at the, the, the Hebrew names, they all have significance. They all mean something, just like Jacob meant deceiver or supplanter or one who catches by the heel or a trickster. That's what the name Jacob meant. In other words, every Hebrew name has significance and every Hebrew name has meaning. And so God, when we talk about a Hebrew name, we're talking about the character of that individual. Their name reveals their character. And and so when we when we look at Abraham, uh, he started off Abram. And, and uh, you know, when you look at the Hebrew word Abram uh, is really Avram, A-V-R-A-M, uh, because of the the, uh, the the Hebrew letter bet, 
when there's no uh, nikud in the middle of it, then it's it's a uh, it's a v, and then when there's a, a nikud in the middle of it, it's a b. But anyway, so if you look at the name Abram, you know uh, God had changed his name from Abram to Abraham, and so what does that tell me? That tells me that God had also not only changed his 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 situation, his uh, situation as far as uh, his his uh, where he was located at or his geographical situation. But God had changed his character, because when you talk about a Hebrew name, you're talking about character. You're talking about what is inside of that individual. So uh, he, God put that in him. That was in him already that he would be the father of many nations, not just the Jewish people uh, and, and, and not just uh, uh, the Iraqi people, which is where Abraham came from, from Iraq uh, in Ur of the Chaldees. He would not just be the father of them. Uh, uh, his descendants would not just be those people, but his descendants would be many, many nations. And so when you when you when you really I was thinking about that this morning, when you really look at what God did through Abraham and many others in the Bible as far as moving towards the cross, to moving towards Jesus, the Messiah, and then towards the cross. He used people from all walks of life, from all kinds of background, you know, and, and he did not just use the Jewish people, but all those people made up the Jewish people. Do you understand what I'm saying? And so I just want to read a verse of scripture um, after Noah and his sons had gotten off of the ark. I'm just going back and just I just want to read this this little bit um, in chapter nine of Genesis or Bereshit uh, means beginning in Hebrew. Uh, chapter nine and verse twenty five after Ham had committed that atrocious act on his father. Verse uh, 25, chapter 9, verse 25 says, he said, curse be Canaan or Canaan, uh, which was Ham's uh, grand, uh, Ham's son. He will be a servant of servants to his brothers. Now, what Ham did brought a curse on his line, you see. And that's why I said we can't do anything in this world and get by with it. Uh, either we're going to pay for it, our children are going to pay for it, our grandchildren are going to pay for it, somebody's going to have to pay for it. Uh, he said, curse be Canaan, he will be a servant of servants to his brothers. Then he said, blessed be Adonai, the God of Shem. That's one of Noah's other sons, Shem. Canaan or Canaan will be their servant. Uh, verse number 27 says, may God enlarge Yepheth. Or Japheth. And as I told you before, there are no J's in the Hebrew language. So it's really a Y. Japheth is Yephet. Uh, he will live in the tents of Shem, but Canaan will be their servant. After the flood, Noach or Noah lived 350 years in all. Noach lived 950 years. Then he died. And so then skip over with me to uh, Bereshit or Genesis chapter 11. Um, there, there you will find the Tower of Babel. Um, yeah, this was after the flood, of course. And then you find the Tower of Babel when man tried to erect his own government and set up his own autonomous organism, uh, which 
man was wanted to live independent of God and do his own thing, even as he does today, mankind basically wants to live independent of God and do his own thing. Uh, and I was talking to my wife about that earlier, that, you know, it's, it's crazy for man to think that he can be autonomous or do his own thing because the Bible talks about Satan and Satan is the God of this world. So either we're going to be under the umbrella of God, Elohim, the one who loves us. The Bible says God is love or we're going to be under the umbrella of the one who John in first John says the God of this world, little G, uh, either we're going to we're going to obey somebody. And then uh, in Ephesians, it said that the, the spirit lusted against the flesh and the flesh against the spirit. So you cannot do what you will. Either we're going to be governed by that, that lower nature, which contains all those bad root things, or we're going to be controlled by the spirit of God and the government of God. So in, in, uh, in Genesis chapter 11, verse 10, it says, here is the genealogy of Shem. This is this is the, the, the son who Messiah came through Shem and Shem means name in Hebrew. Uh, often you hear the, the Jewish people say Hashem, which is God. Uh, here is the genealogy of Shem. Shem was 100 years old when he fathered Arphaxad uh, two years after the flood or uh, after Arphaxad was born. Shem lived another 500 years and had sons and daughters. Our faction lived 35 years and fathered Shelah. After Shelah was born, our faction lived another 403 years and had sons and daughters. Shelah uh, lived 30 years and fathered Ever, or E-B-E-R in the King James Version, but in the Complete Jewish Study Bible, which is what I have, is the E-V-E-R, Ever. After Ever was born, Shelah. Uh, lived another 403 years and had sons and daughters. Ever lived 34 years and fathered Peleg. After Peleg was born, Ever lived another 430 years and had sons and daughters. Peleg lived 30 years and fathered Ruah. And Ruah was born, and to Ruah was born Peleg. Uh, I'm sorry, Ruah was born. Then Peleg lived another 209 years and had sons and daughters. Ruah lived 32 years and fathered Serug. After Serug was born, Ruah lived another 207 years and had sons and daughters. Uh, and then Serug lived uh, 30 years and fathered Nahor or Nahor. After Nacor was born, Serug lived another 200 years and had sons and daughters. Nahor lived 29 years and fathered Terah. After Terah was born, Nahor lived another 119 years and had sons and daughters. Terah lived 70 years and fathered Avram, which is Abram. Nacor lived uh, I'm sorry, Nahor and Haran, here, these are the sons that he had. Terak lived 70 years and fathered Avram, Nahor, and Haran. Here is the genealogy of Terak. Terak fathered Avram, Nahor, and Haran, and Haran fathered Lot. 
Haran died before his father Terah in the land where he was born in Ur of the Chasdim or Chaldees. Then Avram and Nahor took wives for themselves. The name of Avram's wife was Sarai, and the name of Nahor's wife was Milcah, the daughter of Haran. He was the father of Milcah and of Yiscah. Sarai was barren. She had no child. Terah took his son Avram, his son Haran's son Lot, and Sarai, his daughter-in-law, his son Avram's wife, and they left Ur of the Kasdim, or Chaldees, to go to the land of Canaan, or Canaan. Uh, and the word Canaan has to do with commerce. Uh, but when they came to Haran, they stayed there. Terah lived 205 years, and he died in Haran. And in chapter 12, of course, we covered, that's when God told uh, Abraham or Avram or Abram at the time, get yourself out of your country, because we really cannot fully uh, grab a hold of the things that God has for us until we're willing to release those things that we've been holding on to. Uh, and you'll notice, uh, again, the disciples said that, you know, told Jesus, we've left everything to follow you. We've left it all to come and follow you. And also you'll notice that throughout uh, the calling of man, that God has always made a covenant. And God made a covenant with, with Abram or with Abraham uh, that he would be a God to him. But covenants are conditional. And so God does not uh, have any obligation to uphold his part of the covenant. Uh, when man is not living up to his end. In chapter 23 of Genesis, Sarah died. In chapter 24, that's when Abraham, can, uh, he uh, instructed his servant to go out and find a wife for his son, Isaac. And so he told him, he said, do not choose a wife from amongst the Canaanites, but go back to the land and go to the land uh, uh, where I send you to go over and to get a wife. Let's just read a little bit of it so I don't get it, you know, so you can understand. Uh, in Genesis chapter 24, it says, By now Abraham was old, advanced in years, and Adonai had blessed Abraham and everything. Abraham said to his servant who had served him the longest, you know, if you're going to do something for God, you have to be able to uh, put some confidence in the person who God puts in your life uh, to help you to work out the plan that he has for your life. Does that make sense? Uh, you know, God puts people around us um, to help us, to aid us in what he has called us to do. And so Abraham didn't get uh, one of the servants that he had just acquired or whatever, but he got someone who he knew his character. You know, you can't just put, uh, put somebody in leadership positions within the ministry that God has given you. And you can't just uh, allow people to be privy to, the, to uh, the calling of God on your life or the plans or visions or dreams that God has showed you without knowing something about their character, without, uh, without knowing something about what is inside of that person. Did you understand what I'm saying? 
You know, we we uh, sometimes put people in positions in churches. We put them in position in uh, in uh, different political arenas or different things like that. But then, you know, where's the character? Do we look for character? Do we look for that God has qualified that person to do what they're doing? You know, do we know something about them? Do we know something about how they're living? Uh, do we know something about uh, their beliefs and, and uh, what what makes them who they are? You know, Abraham, he said, it's an important thing I'm sending you on today. It's an important mission. And so Abraham did not just pick no anybody. It said Abraham chose his servant who had served him the longest. Somebody that he knew something about and he knew about their convictions and he knew about this person's uh, habits. It said, who was in charge of all he owned? Abraham saw how this man treated his his belongings. He saw how he ran his business. He saw how he how he conducted his business. And so he knew that he could put a certain measure of confidence in this person. He said, put your hand under my thigh. Because I want you to swear by Adonai, God of heaven and God of earth, that you will not choose a wife for my son from among the women of the Canaanite or the Canaanite, which was a godless people among whom I am living, but that you will go to my homeland, to my kinsmen, to choose a wife for my son Yitzchak or Isaac. The servant replied, suppose the woman isn't willing to follow me to this land. Must I then bring your son back to the land from which you came? Abraham said to him, see to it that you don't bring my son back there. Uh, Adonai, the God of heaven, who took me away from my father's house and away from the land I was born in, who spoke to me and swore to me, I will give this land to your descendants. He will send his angel ahead of you. Uh, let me just say this and give you the title of what I'm talking about today. I'm sorry, I uh, got into the message without even giving you the title. But the title of the message is, you know what we've been talking about, is the path to the cross. The The series is, Now Are We the Sons of God? Or Now We Are Raised to Be Sons and Daughters of God. But this particular episode or episodes have been called Path to the Cross. Uh, this one is called Path to the Cross, the Invisible Orchestrator. Path to the Cross, the Invisible Orchestrator. And so uh, I guess this is really a good place to tell you the, the, the title, really, because here's a situation where Abraham have he has uh, tasked his servant with going out and finding Isaac a wife. You know, and many times when uh, people are looking for a mate or what have you, they're looking for the prettiest one or the finest one or the richest one or whatever. But this is not the case. Uh, you know, I guess that kind of thing may be somewhat all right in the world and when uh, uh, people don't know God and when they're not trying to follow God. But when you're trying to follow God, you know, uh, God wants to allow us to have what is what I call uh, 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 a divine connection. 
And really, in our in all of our lives, we need God to orchestrate things uh, according to how he has planned it out. You know, because if if we again go according to the flesh, we will get an Ishmael. But if we go according to the spirit, then we are able to bring forth an Isaac. God is able to bring forth an Isaac through Sarah. Amen. Um, and so he Abraham servant begins to say, well, what if the woman does not want to go with me or to come back with me to be the wife of my master's son? Then what will I do? He said, don't worry about it. God's going to show you exactly who the person is. And that's in every area of life. That's not just in marital situations. That's not just in employment situations, but that's in every every area of life. God will show us who an individual is and who we should be uh, associated with, who we should enter into a relationship with. It doesn't just have to be a marital relationship. It could be a friendship or it could be a partnership in business or whatever. God will show us. And, and Abraham begins to tell his servant that God will send his angel ahead of you. The Lord will send his angel ahead of you. And you are to bring a wife for my son from there. But if the woman is unwilling to follow you, then you are released from your obligation under my oath. Just don't bring my son back there. The servant put his hand under the thigh of Aram, uh, his master, and swore to him concerning the matter. Then the servant took ten of his master's camels and all kinds of gifts from the master, got up and went to Aram Naharim. Amen. He got up, he got up and he went. And and so, you know, you you, you need uh God always is looking for somebody who's going to respond to what he tells them to do. You know, he, he's never looking for, for lazy people or anything like that. But, you know, when when Jesus came on the scene, he said, I have come to do the will of him that sent me. I've come to do the will of him that sent me. Now, let me read that verse, verse 10 out of uh, Genesis chapter 24 in the King James Version. It says, and the servant took 10 camels of the camels of his master and departed for all the goods of his master were in his hand. And he arose and went to Mesopotamia unto the city of Nahor. And so when I read it a minute ago, that's the Hebrew name for Mesopotamia. And so he got up and he went to Aram Naharim, Mesopotamia, uh, to Nahor city. Toward evening, when the women go out to draw water, he had the camels kneel down outside the city wall. Notice I said before that God works according to timing. This man didn't go out there just any time of day. He went out uh, toward evening, the Bible says, when the women go out to draw water. He said, Adonai, uh, God of my master, Avram, please let me succeed today. He also is engaged in prayer in much of what Jesus did when he came on the scene on the earth before he arrived at Calvary. He prayed. The Bible said that he went out early before daybreak and he prayed. 
He sought God. He sought his will. He sought his uh, assistance. He went out and he touched base with God. You know, many times we get busy today and we do things. Uh, and even though we're engaged in what we think is a good thing, we don't we don't pray. We don't seek God like we should. But this is examples from the life of Abraham and the life of our Yeshua, our Messiah. And show your grace, he said to God, to my master, Abraham. He was not, this servant was not a selfish person. You know, we can't be servants of God and yet be selfish. You know, looking out for our own interests. He was looking out for the interests of his master. And that's how we should be. We should be looking out for the interests of our master, who is God. Here I am standing by the spring, he says, as the daughters of the townsfolk come out to draw water. I will say to one of the girls, please lower your jug so that I can drink. If she answers, yes, drink, and I will water your camels as well. Then let her be the one you intend for my servant Isaac. This uh, uh, you intend for your servant. I'm sorry. You intend for your servant Isaac. This is how I will know that you have shown grace to my master. So he's asking God for a sign. Many times God will give us a sign, you know, that uh, uh, that this is the will. This is the way that he wants us to go. Uh, before he had finished speaking, Rivka or Rebecca, the daughter of Bethuel, uh, son of Milcah, the wife of Nahor, Abraham's brother, came out with her jug on her shoulder. The girl was very beautiful, a virgin, never having had sexual relations with any man. She went down to the spring, filled her jug, and came up. The servant ran to meet her and said, Please give me a sip of water from your jug to drink. Drink, my lord, she replied, and immediately lowered her jug onto her and let him drink. When he was uh, when she was through letting him drink, she said, I will also draw water for your camels. There's the sign right there. When God is doing something, it will be undeniable. It will be just as clear as day, uh, undisputable. She said the very thing that he had already asked God to show him in a sign. Until they have drunk their fill, she says, she quickly emptied her jug into the trough, then ran again to the well to draw water and kept on drawing water for all his camels. The man gazed at her in silence, waiting to find out whether Adonai had made his trip successful or not. When the camels were done drinking, the man took a gold ring, a gold nose ring weighing one fifth of an ounce and two gold bracelets weighing four ounces, and asked, Whose daughter are you? Tell me, please. And then he says, uh, he also says, uh, he asked, Tell me uh, whose daughter you are, please. And the man was gazing at her, in silence, he says, is there room in your father's house uh, for us to spend the night? She answered, I am the daughter of Bethuel or Bethuel, son of Milcah, bore to Nahor, adding, we have plenty of straw and fodder 
and room for staying overnight. Uh, the man bowed his head and prostrated himself before Adonai. You know, that's that's one thing when God does something in our lives, when he you know, we're engaged in doing his will and for his will becoming, uh, getting uh, to fruition in our lives and God's bringing things together. We should never forget to give him praise, to worship him, to thank him for what he's doing. It's not something that he had to do, but it's something that he chooses to do. Then he said, blessed be Adonai, God of my master, Abraham, who has not abandoned his faithful love for my master because Adonai has guided me to the house of my master's kinsman. And so here we see that God is has guided this servant. We don't even know his name, but it's not important that we really know his name. It's more important that we know what he did. And it's more important that we know what transpired during this time when he obeyed his master and went into Mesopotamia to go find a wife for his master's son. And so, you know, God, like I said, the Bible is showing us, especially in the Old Testament, throughout the whole Bible, really. But in, in the Old Testament, it's showing us patterns and types and, 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 and things. We can't. How can we uh, ask God and say, you know, I want the blessings of Abraham when we don't we, when we don't even do what Abraham did? If we do what he did, then we can get what he what he what he got. You know, uh, it says the girl ran off and told her mother's household what had happened. Uh, and really, this whole scenario can be compared to Jesus sending the Holy Spirit out or for God sending the Holy Spirit out rather to get a bride for his son, Jesus Christ or Yeshua. Uh, the whole thing, if you really look at it, is symbolic, really, of G of God sending the Holy Spirit out to get a bride for his son, Jesus, because Isaac was a type of Christ. In verse 29, Rivka or Rebecca had a brother named Laban or Laban. And you should remember him when he saw the nose ring and the bracelets on his sister's wrist. Besides, and when he heard his sister Rebecca, uh, Rebecca's report, of what the man had said to her, he ran out to the spring and found the man standing there by the camels. Come on in, he said, you whom Adonai has blessed. Why are you standing outside when I have made room in the house and prepared a place for the camels? So the man went inside and, uh, and, and, and while the camels were being unloaded and provided straw and fodder, Water was brought for him to wash his feet and the feet of his men that were with him. But when a meal was set before him, he said, I won't eat until I say what I have, uh, until I say what, I'm sorry, I won't eat until I say what I have to say. Lavan said, speak. He said, I am Abraham's servant. Adonai has greatly blessed my master so that he has grown wealthy. He has given him flocks and herds, silver and gold, male and female slaves, camels and donkeys. Sarah, my master's wife, bore my son, my master a son when she was old and he has given him everything he has. So Abraham passed on all of that he owned to his son. Fathers today need to take note of that. To pass some, leave something for your children, leave something for your son. The Bible says that a good man leaves a, a her inheritance for his children. 
My master made me swear, saying, You are not to choose a wife for my son from among the women of the Canaanite or the Canaanite among whom I am living. Rather, you are to go to my father's house, to my kindred, my kinsmen, to choose a wife for my son. I said to my master, Suppose the woman isn't willing to follow me. Avraham answered, uh, Me, Adonai, in whose presence I live, will send his angel with you to make your trip successful. That's when you know you're going to have success, when God is with you. The Bible says if God be for us, who can be against us? We may have our uh, questions, our doubts, our fears, or what have you, but if God is for us, then we will be successful in doing what he has given us to do. And you are to pick a wife for my son from my kinsman in my father's house. This will release you from your obligation under my oath. But if when you come to my kinsmen, they refuse to give you to give her to you, this too will release you from my oath. So today I came to the spring and said, Adonai, God of my master, Abraham, if you are causing my trip uh, to succeed in its purpose, then here I am standing by the spring. Now, let me just say this, that Abraham sent his servant over to Mesopotamia, to his homeland, to get uh, a wife for his son, Isaac. And so the thing really was of God, you know, uh, you live how you want to live. You know, you do what you want to do or what you think is best for you. But let me just say this, that, you know, the way that we should live and the way that the people in the Bible lived was that they were guided by God's plan. It, the plan was never Abraham's plan. Abraham was out there doing whatever he was doing. And God got a hold of his life and and told him to leave his father's house and to go to a land that he would show him. The same for every Christian that is alive today. We were doing whatever we were doing, but God got a hold of our lives. And God says symbolically to leave and to go and do what I called you to do. In some uh, instances, is 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 very, uh, you know, God calling us and things like that. Uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's not only symbolic. You know, but for some people, they really had to leave and they went on a mission field or whatever. Maybe that's not what God has called you to. But God has called us all to do his will and not our own will. He says, if you are causing this, is the servant speaking, if you are causing my trip to succeed in his purpose, then here I am standing by the spring. I will say to the uh, one of the girls coming out to draw water, let me have a sip of water from your jug. If she answers yes drink and I will uh, water your camels as well, then let her be the woman you intend for my master's son. He was not saying that if she say these words, then let her all of a sudden be the one. But he was saying because she said those words that she was identifying that she was the one, even though she didn't really know what she was saying. And even before I had finished speaking to my heart, uh, there came, he said he was speaking to his heart. He's praying inside of himself. There came Rebecca or Rivka going out to, with her jug on her shoulder. She went out to the spring and drew water 
when I said to her, please let me have a drink, she immediately lowered the jug from her shoulder and said, drink, and I will water your camels as well. So I drank and she had the camels drink too. I asked her, whose daughter are you? And she answered the daughter of Bethuel or Bethuel of Nahor whom Milcah bore to him. Then I put the ring in her on her nose and the bracelets on her wrists, uh, uh, bowed my head, prostrated myself before Adonai and blessed Adonai, God of my master Abraham, for having led me in the right way to obtain my master's brother's um, granddaughter for his son. So now, if you people intend to show grace and truth to my master, tell me. But if not, tell me so I so that I can return or turn elsewhere. Lavan and Betul uh, replied, since this comes from Adonai, we can't say anything to you, either good, either bad or good. Rivka or Rebecca is here in front of you. Take her and go. Let her be your master's son's wife. As Adonai has said, when Abraham's servant heard what they said, he prostrated himself on the ground to Adonai. Then the servant brought out silver and gold jewelry together with clothing and gave them to uh, Rebekah. He also gave valuable gifts to her brother and mother. He and his men then ate and drank and stayed the night. In the morning, they got up and said, send us all, send off, to, send us off to my master. Her brother and mother said, let the girl stay with us a few days, uh, at least 10. And 10 is a number of authority or government. After that, so they were still trying to, to govern the situation, even though they heard and knew that it was from Adonai. They were still trying to interfere. Uh, you'll find out about them at another time. After that, she will go. He answered them, don't delay me since Adonai has made my trip successful. But let me uh, but let me go back to my master. They said, we will call the girl and see what she says. They called Rebecca and asked her, will you go with the man? And she replied, I will. So they sent their sister Rebecca away with her nurse, Abraham's servant, and his men. They blessed Rebecca with, with these words, Our sister, may you be the mother of millions, and, <clears throat> and may your descendants possess the cities of those who hate them. Listen at that prophetic word. Then Rebecca and her maids mounted the camels and followed the man. So the servant took Rebecca and went on his way. Meanwhile, Isaac, one evening after coming along the road from Bilaheroi, he was living in the Negev, went out walking in the field. This is Isaac. He's walking in the field. And as he looked up, he saw the camels approaching. Rebecca took uh, Rebecca too looked up at the same time when Isaac looked up. What a love story. And when she saw Isaac, she quickly dismounted the camel. She said to the servant, who is this man walking in the field to meet us? When the servant replied, it's my master's, uh, it's my master. She took her veil and covered herself. The servant told Isaac everything he had done. Then Isaac brought her into his mother's mother, Sarah's tent. And uh, took Rebecca uh, and she became his wife and he loved her. 
Thus was Isaac comforted for the loss of his mother. You know, Jesus said one time in, in the word, he said, uh, uh, let not your heart be troubled. You know, in this world you have tribulation, but I have overcome the world. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. He said, I go away to prepare a place for you that where I am, there ye may be also. He said, I will come again and receive you to myself that where you are, there, where I am, there ye may be also. Uh, and so this is the this is the the symbolic picture of that when uh, uh, the servant went out back to Abraham's homeland, which I told you is symbolic of the Holy Spirit going uh, going out to get a bride for Jesus, which is the church, and then the and then he brought the bride uh, to uh, Isaac, and then he took uh, Rebecca into his mother's tent. And uh, he was comforted. And so this is symbolic of Christ receiving the church unto himself, which is really uh, what God had planned all along. He planned for this fellowship to be with man and man with him. And so I'm almost out of time. But uh, as I said, this, you know, it's just amazing how God puts things together, how he brings things about, you know, and how he orchestrates things. Let me read you this definition before we close. Uh, that The fact is that God is uh, the, end of, the invisible orchestrator. And the definition by way of the online dictionary, as far as music for orchestration means to arrange or to score music for orchestral performance. But it also means to arrange or to direct the elements of a situation to produce a desired effect, especially superstitiously. Superstitious means in a way uh, that attempts to avoid notice or attention or secretively. But God doesn't have to be secretive uh, or avoid attention uh, as if man is going to stop his plans. But God is the orchestrator. The Holy Spirit is the conductor and Jesus or Yeshua is the music. Let me say that one more time. God is the orchestrator of our lives, of our situations, of of his will being done in this world, this whole complete world, not just in our lives, but in the world. Uh, God is the orchestrator, uh, you know, and the Holy Spirit is the conductor and Jesus is the music because the Bible says that everything was made uh, according to his will and according to Christ. He said by Christ, he made all things, whether whether there be thrones or dominions or powers or things in heaven or things on earth or things under the earth. By Jesus Christ, he made all of these things. And so the Bible says that in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Everything is to be uh, uh, everything is to be conducted or 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 brought uh, according to uh, brought along according to what is written in God's word. The word of God is the will of God and the will of God is the word of God and we know that the word of God is Jesus. The Bible said that in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And the Bible says that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. There's nothing like when something is uh, when uh, there's an, uh, a piece of music that is written for an orchestra and that music is written. But then 
you see that music come to life when the musicians begin to play that music. And that's what happened here. But I am out of time. Father, bless your people. Keep your people, Lord. I pray that your perfect will will be done in this world. If you would like to send me an uh, email, you can reach me at revkevandtheroot2020 at gmail.com. Just spell, it, just spell it out like that, revkevandtheroot. 2020 at gmail.com and I'll see you next time. God bless you. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to Rev Kev and The Root. Uh, let's begin with a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for this day. I ask that you would move on the family uh, and encourage the hearts of the family of Rayshard Brooks, Lord. We ask that you would minister to them. Father, we ask that you would envelop them in your arms and Father, that you would pull them close to yourself. Lord, we know that there is not only this tragedy, Lord, but there are many tragedies that have happened in our nation, uh, not only lately, but have been happening for the last almost 500 years uh, to African-American people, Lord, and to people of color. And Father, we know that you don't judge a person based upon their color because you made each and every individual whatever color or ethnicity that they may be. And Lord, we know that you desire to move and to be the God of all people, not just some people, but you desire, Lord, to be the God of all people. And Lord, you said in your word in John three sixteen that you so loved the world that's everyone in the world, that you gave your only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Lord, you don't make a distinction between one ethnicity to the other, and you're no respecter of persons, Lord. You don't accept a person based upon their exterior, but Lord, you accept them based upon the blood of your son that has been shed in this new covenant that you have enacted with us through the cross of Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray for this world. I pray, Lord, that you, Lord, would have your will, even as our Lord Yeshua taught us to pray that your will be done, your kingdom would come and that your will would be done on earth as it is already done in heaven. So, Lord, I ask that you would look down upon everyone in this world and, Father, that, Lord, you would, Father, have your way in our society today, Lord, because now more than ever we need you to intervene. Uh, we need you, Lord, to exercise your authority. We need you to show your sovereignty. We need you, Lord, to move in this world, Father, uh, because, Lord, man is going about his dealings with one another based upon his own judgments and based upon his own decisions and based upon his own emotions and everything that has to do with him as an individual. But Lord, you don't want us to operate like that. You want us to live according to your will. You said in your word that you have shown us what is good and what accept what is acceptable and what you require of us to love mercy to do justly, and to walk humbly with you, our God. And so, Father, I ask, Lord, that you would 
move, Lord, upon everyone that is listening to this podcast. Father, we know that we live in some dark times, Lord, but there is light and you are that light, Lord, because light will always overcome darkness. So, Father, I pray that you would ready all of our hearts for your coming, Lord, that I believe is soon. And, Father, that you would find us doing what you have called us to do when you come so that we would always be in a state of readiness, Lord, like those 10, like those uh, 10 virgins, Lord, uh, five were wise and five were foolish. But Lord, help us not to be like the five that were foolish, but help us to be the ones li like those that were wise, that always kept their oil in their lamps and were ready when the bridegroom came. So, Father, we ask that you would speak to us through this podcast, Lord, that you would have your perfect way and your perfect will, Father. Lord, we live in a dysfunctional world because we live in a world with dysfunctional people who are doing dysfunctional things, Lord. But we also live, Father, in a world where people, there is a remnant that are a people that want to follow you, that are people that are following you. Lord, it's not all bad, but Lord, we know that the, there are percentages in everything, Lord. And there are a percentage of the people who don't want to do your will, who are enemies of you because they're living in their own flesh and by their own desires, by their own inclinations and by their, the dictates of their own heart. And you said, Lord, that those that are in the flesh, Lord, cannot please you. And you said, Lord, to, to, uh, that the flesh is enmity, it's hatred, it's, it's an enemy of you, Lord. And the flesh entails, Lord, all of our desires, all of our inclinations, all, all of our own aspirations and all of our own desires. But Father, help us, Lord. Help us to be like David, a man, and a, help those that are women to be a woman after God's own heart. Father, we thank you, Lord. I give you glory, honor, and praise. And Lord, I pray that you would cause the church to rise up, Lord. This, politics won't solve anything, Lord. But it's as a people rise up in your spirit and begin to confront the enemy who is really behind all of this, the devil, who is really behind all of this unjust killing and all of this, <clears throat> all of these unjust acts. Lord, we know who's behind it. It is the devil, because Jesus, you said that the devil comes to steal, to kill and destroy. But you have come that we might have life and that we might have it more abundantly. So, Father, I ask that you, Lord, would have glory and honor in this earth today. And, Lord, that your church would begin to rise up and be who they're supposed to be. Lord, you said that your people are salt, influential. You said that your people are light, that they illuminate, that they they they, they show some stuff for what it is, Lord. They show it up. They, they call attention to it, Lord. They don't let it allow to be uh, sh shrouded by darkness, Lord, but they call attention. They address the issue, Lord with righteousness, with light, with truth, with illumination. And so, Father, I pray that you'd have your way in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to thank you for joining with me today on Rev Kev and The Root. Uh, I hope you enjoyed the last episode. Uh, we've been talking about Jesus going to the cross, and this started around what some called um, Easter, which is uh, a pagan holiday term. Uh, it's not about Ishtar, the Greek uh, goddess or whatever, fertility, but it's about the Passover. When Jesus 
went to the cross, died on the cross, and on the third day rose again with all power in his hand. That's what that time of year is all about. It's all about Jesus going to the cross, dying on the cross, shedding his blood, and then being raised again on the third day. Uh, and so uh, the last message that we talked about was the path to the cross God, the invisible orchestrator, and how God orchestrates our life, how God causes our life to fall in line with what he has already planned out, with what he's already mapped out. Uh, and we talked about Jeremiah, how God told Jeremiah, before I formed you in the womb, I already knew you. God saw him as a finished work. God already knew what Jeremiah was called to do. He already had uh, Jeremiah, his DNA and his genetic makeup, uh, uh, he already had all of that mapped out because he knew that he wanted Jeremiah to be a prophet and to prophesy unto the nation and also to the nations. Uh, and also we found out that the prophets prophesied not necessarily to their own day, in part to their own day, but they were also prophesying to us who would later receive Jesus, the Messiah, uh, and receive salvation. So with that, I say good morning or good evening, good morning, and good afternoon, whatever time of day it is where you are. Amen. I give you a proper greeting. Amen. Uh, and so uh, I would like to begin our time together today with uh, a couple of scriptures, and uh, they are really foundational scriptures. But the, the title of this episode is uh, The Path to the Cross, God's Gumbo. God's Gumbo. Now, some of you may not be from the South or from Louisiana, and you don't really know what uh, gumbo is really all about, uh, and some of you do. Well, gumbo, one of the definitions of gumbo was a, a fine clay soil that becomes sticky and impervious when wet. But gumbo also, one of the other definitions, is a French-based patois spoken by some blacks and creoles in Louisiana. Uh, but the third uh, definition is uh, a type of Cajun music consisting of a lively blend of styles and sounds. But this is the definition that I like. It says that gumbo is a thick stew-like soup that features various kinds of meat like chicken, sausages, and seafood, okra, and Cajun seasoning. Its seasoning and ingredients and method of preparation to this day is widely disputed, but however, it's still good. Uh, it's, it's different uh, types of seasonings and different types of meat that you'll find in a gumbo. you find sausage and crab and shrimp and all that kind of thing. And so the, the title of this episode is God's Gumbo. Uh, if you have your Bible, turn with me to Acts chapter 17, verse 24. And it reads there. And this is our foundation scripture. Acts 17 Verse 24, God that made the world 
in all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands. So he's not an idol that you set up on a shelf is what he's saying or that you set up on a stand. Neither is worshipped with men's hands as though he needed anything, seeing he giveth to all life and breath and all things. And so the Bible is not saying in verse 25 of Acts chapter 17 that God does not want us to worship him. But uh, God doesn't need us like he said, like Paul says, and he explains it not as though he needed anything. Seeing he giveth to all life and breath and all things. I was telling a Bible class, um, one of my fellow students when we were in school together, that God doesn't need us. We need him. And he debated me and debated me and debated me. But however, the point is, is that God doesn't need us. He desires our presence, our company. He desires for us to follow him. He desires for us uh, to be in his family and all those kinds of things. But if someone doesn't accept God, of course it will hurt his heart and grieve him, but yet God will continue being who he is. He will not fall to pieces or anything like that. Uh, but we need God. In verse 26, it says, and hath made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on all the face of the earth. And hath determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation. Again, he says in verse 26 of Acts chapter 17, and hath made of one blood all nations of men. So it's not different types of blood. It's not all of that kind of thing. But he made uh, uh, all men of one blood, which is Adam, Adam in the book of Genesis. God made all men from that one man named Adam and hath determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation. Now, our second scripture uh, is in Genesis chapter 17, uh, beginning with verse number one. It says, and when Abram was 90 years old and nine, the Lord appeared to Abram and said unto him, I am the almighty God. Walk before me and be thou perfect. Perfect there doesn't mean without mistakes, but perfect there means complete, whole or entire. God doesn't want just part of us, but he wants our whole heart. He said to love him with everything that is within us. And uh, Acts, I'm, I'm sorry, Genesis chapter 17, verse two. And I will make my covenant between me and thee and will multiply thee. Exceedingly. So what, what is God telling Abraham? He's telling him that he's going to have descendants. He said, I'm going to multiply thee exceedingly. This is what God told Adam and Eve to be fruitful and to multiply. In verse three, and Abram fell on his face and God talked with him, saying, as for me, behold, my covenant is with thee and thou shalt be a father of many nations. Listen to what the word of God says in Genesis chapter uh, 17, verse four. As for me, behold, my covenant is with thee and thou shalt be a father of many 
nations. That's not just talking about one nation. That's not just talking about the Jewish people. That's not just talking about the African-American people. That's not just talking about the Chinese or the Portuguese or whatever. He said that, that Abraham will be a father of many nations. Sometimes, you know, and in, in today we're dealing with this uh, racism. It's very prevalent and always has been. And sometimes it's overt, sometimes it's covert. Um, but nevertheless, man is the one who begins to put people in classes uh, and begin to put them in groups and things like that because one group wants to feel superior to the other group. But God made everyone from one man named Adam, and then he goes and he establishes his covenant with Abraham, and he tells Abraham, you will be a father of many nations. So it's not necessarily about any one group of people, but God chooses all people to be a part of his plan and a part of his family and a part that uh, of, of the makeup of his children. He, they're made up of all walks of life. You know, it's so sad that, that man uh, should do this to one another, that one group would make the other group feel like they're less than what they are because of the difference of, of shade or pigment or melanin. Uh, it's a shame that anyone would be, ma would be made to feel like they're inferior or that they're less than someone else just because of how they look. In verse 5, of Genesis chapter 17, he says, Neither shall thy name any more be called Abram, but thy name shall be Abraham. For a father of many nations have I made thee. Listen to it again, if you will. Genesis chapter 17, verse 5. Neither shall thy name any more be called Abram, but thy name shall be Abraham. For a father of many nations have I made thee. So whatever God uh, covenant with Abraham, he also covenant with us because we are a part of the human race. And there is, let me tell you, there is only one race. And I uh, agree and I want to give a shout out to Miss Jane Elliott. Some of you may not know her. Uh, but she did the the brown eye, blue eye tests. And she uh, uh, you'd have to go on YouTube and look up Jane Elliott and, and see what kind of test it was that she did. She's a, a, a I believe she's probably retired now, retired school teacher. Uh, and she says that she's an educator. And so am I. And so we need many to educate because we in America, especially, are dealing with all kinds of ignorance. Did you hear what I said? And ignorant means unlearned, and it means that uh, that we have not come to the knowledge of what's really going on in the world. You see what I'm saying? And so what God has planned, and we are the people that really, uh, we don't, we, we are more governed by society and by how society feels and the standards that society has set up than the standards that God has set up. 
and how God feels about things. You know, sometimes uh, we we try to project how we feel about something onto how God feels about it and try to project a God that sees things like we see them and try to project a God that feels about things like we feel about them. But that's not how God operates. Jesus came down to as flesh and blood, even though he was God's son and he is God's son. He came down. He came down through a virgin named Mary so that he could be a man among men and teach us the ways of God. Folks, we have to learn how to judge things based upon Jesus Christ. We have to learn how to see things based upon Jesus Christ, because there are so many uh, there's 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 so many uh, uh, mental pictures that society or, or mental things that they're trying to get us to to accept. There, there are premises that they're trying to get us to accept. There are ideas that they're trying to get us to accept. And there are uh, 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 perceptions that they're trying to get us to accept. But let me tell you this. Listen, if you will. We have only one measurement to go by. To decide if something is right or if it is wrong. We have one measurement. The Bible says that when the enemy comes in like a flood, the spirit of God will raise up a standard against him. And the only standard that you and I have to test a perception or to test an idea or to test whatever it is that uh, society is trying to get us to accept an idea that they're trying to get us to accept. Uh, the only test that we have that we could put it up against is Jesus Christ himself. The only standard, the only rule, the only measurement is Yeshua, Hamashiach, Jesus, the Messiah. That's the only standard. Paul said that those that compare themselves among themselves are not wise. And those who measure themselves by themselves are not wise. Why? Because I can ask somebody, well, how do you feel about white people? And they and you and I might get various different answers but yet when i ask god in prayer with a receptive spirit how do you feel about white people god would say i made them i made them in my image i made them in my likeness and then a white person may go ask another white person how do you feel about black people and they might get various different answers but then you go and ask god with an open mind and with a receptive spirit, and God will say, I made them. I made them in my image. I love them. They're mine. So to hate 
someone because of the color of their skin or because of, uh, you know, their ethnicity or their background or what have you is to hate God himself. Because God is the maker. He said he made all men from one blood, all men to dwell on all the face of the earth. And so he, he told Adam and Eve, he told Adam in the book of Genesis, he said that, you know, uh, when he made a uh, man, he said, let them have dominion. Let them rule the fi he, he even classified it. He told man what he was supposed to have dominion over. He told him what he was supposed to rule over. He said, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air and all over everything that creepeth upon the earth. Not one time did God say, let them have dominion over one another. Not one time did he say, let them make slaves of one another. No, he did not say that. Jesus came to teach us the ways of God. And even when that woman uh, was at the at the well and she began to say, well, you know, well, you being a Jew asked me for water. The Jews don't associate with the Samaritans. And Jesus said, if you knew who it was that asked you this, then you would ask him and he would give you living water. You see. In other words, there's there's things that are more important than our prejudices and our skin colors and all these foolish things that we, that we get tied up in because God made all men from one blood. I didn't intend to go this way, but let me let me let me just ask you if I were to take. Or God was to take the spirit of a African-American person out of their body. James says that the spirit or that the body without the spirit is dead. So what animates you and I? What causes us to live? What causes us to move and breathe? The Bible says in the book of Genesis that God breathed into man the breath of life, the spirit. And then he became a living soul. And James said that the spirit, the body without the spirit is dead. So if God was to take the spirit out of an African-American person and put it in a white person and and they're they're who they are, because this is just an outward shell. They are a spirit. So they're living in that, that, that different body now, but they're still the same person. Or, they, or God would take the spirit of a white person and put it in an African-American body or, or vice versa. Then what would be the difference about that person? How, how would that really change who they really are? So it's really not about what color they are. It's about who they are. And God made all of us to be somebody. He designed and created all of us. And so, you know, even in church, we, we you know, we present a Jesus. I was, you know, uh, familiar with pictures of Jesus as a, a blonde haired, blue eyed white boy, to be honest with you. And really, that was the perception that I grew up with. But then I was disappointed in a sense to 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 learn that I was taught that all my life. But that wasn't true because Jesus came from the Middle East. Jesus was Middle Eastern. You see what I'm saying? And then 
also, you know, the, the, the Jewish people, God bless them. But God didn't, Jesus didn't just die for you. He died for all people. You see, but yet God chose a group of people to, to, to proclaim himself through. God chose the, the Hebrew people, which later became known as Jews, to proclaim himself through. But let me let me let me just put this piece of educational information in here. The Jewish people were made up from all kind of people. Did you hear what I said? The Jewish people were not just one uh, uh, ethnicity. As a matter of fact, today there are Russian Jews. There there are Jews in, in, in New York City. There, there are Jews in Ethiopia. You know, there, there are all kinds of Jewish people. God did not want to create division when he made man. He wanted to create a family for himself. A family that would be made up of all kinds of people. But the Bible says, you know, some people say, well, we're all God's children. That's true in a sense. And what I mean by saying in a sense is that Jesus talked, he called the Pharisees, he said, he told them that they were of their father, the devil. The Bible says in the book of Romans, look it up. It says that if we have not the spirit of Christ, then we are none of his. If we have not the spirit of Christ, then we are none of his. One time Jesus taught about a Samaritan uh, a man that was wounded, <clears throat> that was bleeding, that was left on the side of the road to die. And the Bible says that, you know, uh, a priest came by with his religious self and he looked at the man. He saw the man's condition, but then he passed on by. And then there was another one of his countrymen that saw him. And then he passed on by. Well, well, I'm sorry, the, 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 the last man was the Samaritan that saw the man wounded and bleeding. OK, let me let me put that in there. The Samaritan was the one who saw the man bleeding. And he, you know, this other man passed by and he just went on by his way when his own countrymen, the priest passed by, went on by his way. But then the Samaritan, one that wasn't even of his own race, reached down and helped this man. Took this man, put him on his own beast, brought him to an inn and told the people at the inn to take care of the man. And he told the people at the inn that when if, if he needs and if 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 there's any other in expense that is incurred before I come back, when I get back, I'll pay it. Did you hear what I said? He said, I'll pay it. I'll take care of this man. And I believe with all of my heart that Jesus was is is and was that good Samaritan that wretched down. You see, because there is too much, too much division in the world today. And even when it comes to uh, uh, the church, even when it comes to the church, there is division and there is racism and there is prejudice in the church. 
you know. And one time I had a, a, a neighbor of mine uh, and he, he showed me a few things about that. And I was appalled uh, to, to think because unless Jesus, see, all of us have been conditioned one way or the other in this world by our families, by television, shows that's on television. Uh, you know, I could think back even with the Dukes of Hazard and things like that with the, the uh, General Lee uh, car and the rebel flag on top of it and all of that. But let me tell you how I feel about that. And like I said, I didn't mean to go this way, but here it is. Um, how I feel about the statues being torn down and flags and all. I don't really want to see them. But nevertheless, you can remove all of those things. But it really begins in the heart because racism, prejudice and all of those kind of things are a matter of the heart. Jesus says as a man, meaning mankind, man and men and women, as they think in their heart, so are they. We cannot separate the way a person thinks from the way that they operate in their lives from the acts that they that they portray, from the things that they do. When I say acts, I mean things that they do. When when however a person thinks, that's gonna make up the uh their lives and and, and and how they feel about people and things and and things that they will do and things that they won't do and all of that. It starts in the mind. That's why the Bible says in Romans chapter twelve, Paul said I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed or pressed into a mold or, or shaped by this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Why are certain people doing different things against other races? Why do they feel the way they feel about other races? Why do they say the mean things that they say about other races and African-American people and, and, and Latino people and Asian people and all that kind of stuff? Because that's how they think. As a man or a woman think it in their heart. So are they. And God told Abraham, getting back to my lesson, Neither shall thy name any more be called Abram, but thy name shall be Abraham. For a father of many nations have I made thee, and I will make thee exceeding fruitful, and I will make nations of thee, and kings shall come out of thee. It is extremely important, I feel, as it relates to this episode and the subject of this and several other episodes and that is the cross of Jesus. That's been the subject. I must state some facts about scripture as we are presented with a living document of the rules of God's kingdom, his mind, his heart concerning his kingdom, which involves all people groups. Did you hear what I said? If you look at the family of Jesus, even though Jesus was was God and is God. But yet he came and he was uh, uh, put inside of a virgin as a baby 
from the in the birth canal by the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God overshadowed Mary. Jesus was consumed in the womb of Mary. Jesus had to address a human issue, but he had to come as a human to be able to fully address it. And so, uh, you know, uh, concerning God's kingdom, it involves all people groups. I'm reminded of a time when Jesus said that there was uh, the kingdom of heaven is like a great net that is that is let down. And when it's pulled up, it's pulled up with all kinds of fish. It's not just one type of fish, but it's all kinds of fish. You know, if you look in the book of Matthew and you look at the uh, at the genealogy of Jesus, you will find all kinds of 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 of, uh, of ethnic ethnicity and you will find all kinds of ethnic backgrounds there. Ruth, which was it, which is in the lineage of Jesus. Ruth was a, a Moabite, you see, and and, and 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 there are many other instances where there are many other different uh, groups of people, which is only one human race. But there are different ethnicities that are found there. Truth and facts. Listen at this statement. Truth and facts versus the individual personal acceptance, acknowledgement and full compliance of what is presented. You know, let me let me read you this scripture. John chapter 1 verse 11. It it says, speaking of Jesus, he came unto his own and his own received him not. Let me say this. God has presented much truth in his word, much truth. But Everybody is not going to receive that truth because it does not fit into their into their intellectual makeup. They're not going to receive that truth. They're not going to accept that truth. They're not going to live by that truth. They're not going to stand on that truth because it doesn't line up with them. But just because we reject truth does not mean that it, it ceases to be the truth, whether we accept it or reject it. The truth will continue to be the truth. In verse 12 of John chapter one, it says, but as many as received him to them, gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. John one verse 14 says the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the father, full of grace and truth. The only begotten of the father, full of grace and truth. John 1 uh, verse 9 says that was the true light which lighted every man. Speaking of Jesus, that was the true. He was the true light that lighted every man that cometh into the world. Uh, John 1 16 or 1 6 I'm sorry says there was a man sent from God whose name was John uh, verse 7 says the same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe verse 8 says he was not speaking of John John was not that light 
but was sent to bear witness of that light. It said that uh, that true light, which lighted every man and the word their man in the Greek is anthropos or it means ethnicity, humankind, a uh, 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 race. Uh, 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 and it means each person has personhood. So Jesus came to bring a message, not just to one group of people, but to all people. He came to not just bring a message, but he came to bring God's message to all people. He said that. Uh, uh, that man that cometh into the world, the one that comes into the world. And the, and the word world there is the word cosmos in the Greek. It means an order or it means worldly affairs. It literally means something ordered, uh, a system and things of that nature. So God, Jesus came into this world or this system because this system, the Bible says that the world, the whole world lieth under the sway of the wicked one. So Jesus came with the truth about God. Jesus came with the truth about how God sees his people that he created. Jesus came with the truth about the worth and value of each and every human individual on the, on the face of the earth. Did you hear what I said? Jesus came to proclaim the value of each and every person that is on the face of the earth. No matter how all the other people may feel about that person, Jesus came to say that each and every person is valuable to God. Each and every person is valuable to him. Each and every person has worth. Each and every person has potential and that potential needs to be respected because each and every person is created, designed and put here by God. The reason why that society is 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 so messed up is because we have rejected God. The only way to really act like God is to accept God and to live according to the way he says to live. You know, everything in this world will be so much more tranquil and so much more in order and so much more peaceful if we would just do what Jesus taught us from God to do. Jesus said this. He said that uh, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. He also said this. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. There will not be so much murder in this world. There will be no murder in this world. If, uh, whether it be by a police officer or whether it be by a civilian. Or whether it's family against family or, or foe against friend or whatever. It would not happen. Because we would consider the fact that I want to live. So I'm pretty sure that person wants to live. I wouldn't want them to shoot me. So that means that I shouldn't shoot them. I wouldn't want them to take anything from me. So that means that I should not take anything from them. But in this society, we're living according to a different set of rules. As a matter of fact, as soon as God made man in the book of Genesis and man fell, man began to 
to uh, to move away from God, begin to move away from the, the, the voice that directed Adam at one time. Now it's another voice directing them. They're directing their own steps and they're listening to a godless person named Nimrod who said, let us build a tower unto heaven. Let us make a name for ourselves. Let us stay right here and build a name for ourselves. This is what man is all about. In many cases, he's about making a name for himself. He's about being autonomous. He is about uh, uh, doing his own thing. He is about living his own will. But you know what? God says in his word that after all of these things, the book of Revelations, he said, if, after all these plagues that I'm sending on the earth, after all these warnings that I'm sending to man, after all of these uh, 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 natural upheavals, when there's earthquakes in diverse places, there's famines in the land, is it rains and it snows out of season, it, it it all of these different things are calamities and, and mudslides and all these other kind of things that's letting man know that something is not right and they should turn to God. If they still don't turn to me, you know what he says in the book of Revelations? Let the filthy be filthy still. Let the unrighteous be unrighteous still. Let me tell you something, America. Let me tell you something. Whoever's listening, and I'm not saying that this goes for everybody because there's some people that's really following God, that really love Jesus, that really want to do the right thing. But let me tell you something. God has given us space to repent, just like he did with Jezebel. He gives everybody a space to repent. Now, we could either choose to hold on to our stubbornness. We can choose to hold on to our racism. We can choose to hold on to our division. We can choose to hold on to unrighteousness. We can choose to hold on to all of that stuff. But the Bible says that that we must stand before God, before the, the judgment seat of Christ. And, and let me tell you something. God will judge in righteousness. The Bible said that Jesus is coming back to judge the world, to give to every man according as his works is. So some people shouldn't be disappointed on judgment day. When Jesus tell them, depart from me because I never knew you. Depart from me. I never knew you. You never were really a part of me. And I was not a part of you. Yeah, you, 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 you tried to seem religious or whatever, but you never really in your heart. You never really surrendered because you were still doing your own thing. Jesus said that he's going to say, depart from them. Ye that work iniquity, ye that do not the will of my father. Jesus came through the womb of a woman in the book of Genesis, chapter three. He, he told God, told the serpent, he said, and the one and the seed of the woman, the man is the one that carries the seed. But man couldn't have anything to do with Jesus being born, because if Jesus's father was Joseph, then Jesus would have been a natural man as sinful as as every other man. So God said that 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 the, the seed of the woman shall shall uh, shall shall bruise or crush the head of the serpent and the serpent shall bruise his heel. You see, and then if you go over the book of Isaiah, it says that a virgin shall be with child. Who was that child? Jesus is that child. If you go over there to the book of Revelation, he talked about a, a, a great dragon. That was there and the woman was was about to give birth, but the dragon was there to try to take her child and kill her child. Who was that? 
Jesus. Because it said in the word of God that that child would rule the nations with a rod of iron. Huh? His kingdom shall have no end. Jesus came on this earth, not just to die on a cross, but when we think about that cross, when we think about resurrection day, when we think about the Passover, think about not just Jesus dying on the cross, but what does it imply? Jesus came to address every issue that man has to deal with under the sun. Solomon said there's nothing new under the sun. Jesus came to deal with that. It's so sad because, and, and, and we'll get to the next lesson and other things that I want to share, God willing. But it's so sad because Peter had to learn this lesson when he was on that rooftop. And there was a great sheet in the book of Acts that was let down. And there were uh, four-footed beasts and creeping things on the sheet. And God began to show him, Peter, you're prejudiced. You know, sometimes it's going to take God to show a person how they really are. And he began to, he began to talk to Peter. And he said, what I have cleansed, don't call unclean. Peter felt like he couldn't eat with the Gentiles because they weren't Jews. He felt like he, should, he couldn't fellowship with the Gentiles because they weren't Jews. He felt like that he couldn't be around them because they were, they were not like him. But yet God has made all of us different. God has placed every man and every woman into a gumbo. You see, and there's one thing about a gumbo that it takes all of those different meats and all of those different seasonings that are different to make one great tasting meal. And you see, when, 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 when all people come together in the family of God and work under one rule and one government, that's being God's government, because Jesus said, I've come to establish my kingdom within you. <clears throat> and he said, my kingdom is not of this world, not meaning that his kingdom was not in this world, but it was not of this world. The rules, the dictates, the mandates were not like the mandates, dictates and rules in this world. But God is trying to bring us all together. Because this is where we really belong together in the family of God. But as long as the devil is, is, is on the earth, the Bible says he come down to you having great wrath. As long as he's on the earth, he's going to be trying to pit us against one another. There was a time in the book of, of Genesis, I believe it's chapter 9 or chapter 11, where there was a tower, like I said, when Nimrod built the tower. And... And God said this about them. He said, they've begun to build this tower and now nothing that they imagine shall be withheld from them. They can do anything that they imagine to do because they're one, because they're together, because they speak in the same language. They're saying the same thing and they're together. So let me tell you this. United we stand and divided we fall. A nation doesn't have to crumble from the outside. An enemy doesn't have to come at us from the outside. But most nations that crumbled, crumbled from within. Remember that. Most nations that crumbled did not crumble because of an enemy that was an external enemy. But most nations crumbled from within. They caved in. It, the whole thing imploded. So I want to thank you for listening today. If you want to email me, you can email me at revkevandtheroot.com.
2020 at gmail.com. Spell it just like that. Rev Kev and the Root 2020 at gmail.com. And also, if you would like to give to this ministry, you can give through PayPal. Um, like I said, it's Rev Kev and the Root 2020 at gmail.com. R E V K E V A N D T H E R O O T 2020 at gmail. Dot com. So I want to thank you for listening. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this podcast. Lord, I pray again for the family of Rashard Brooks. Father, that you administer them to them, minister to his widow, minister to his children, Lord. I, you said that you would be a father to the fatherless and a husband to the widow. So, Father, I ask that you would minister to them. Lord, I ask that you would touch the whole world. Lord, minister to everyone. And Lord, help us to do things like you would do them. Help us to live like you want us to live. Help us to say what you want us to say and to do what you want us to do. So, Father, I give you all the glory, all the honor and all the praise. And I thank you right now, Father. I thank you for moving in this world. Lord, we need a revival. We need for you to come down, Lord. There's things in this world that are happening that are so, so sad. And uh, that are so, so heartbreaking. And Lord, I, I, I just I just ask that you would move, Lord. Father, I really don't even have the words, but Lord, I just ask that you would put yourself on display in this world, Lord. Lord, that you won't allow the devil to continue to walk about and take innocent lives. And Lord, that you won't allow the devil to destroy families and children. And Lord, even what we saw on TV and we keep seeing Lord that you know there's a lot of nevers involved in that those children will never have their daddy again those girls will never have their daddy to walk them down the aisle that lady will never have her husband again so father I just pray Lord that you would bring this world together it's not about us about uh, us against them it's not about that Lord but it's about us realizing that we're one race of people and Lord, that you love us all and that we all are part of your family. When we come into covenant relationship with you and accept your son through faith and allow him to live in our hearts and allow your kingdom to function in our hearts and in our lives, then Lord, we are a part of the bigger picture. So Father, I pray that you would bless your people that are listening, Lord, that you would minister to them. Lord, whatever the need is in their lives, whether it be financially, emotionally, or, how, or, or, or job-wise, or whatever, Lord, whatever it may be, I pray that you would minister to them. Lord, that you bring us all deeper and teach us to live in the Spirit, to walk in the Spirit, and not in our flesh. Father, thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Until next time, God bless you.